Hey everyone, so today we are going to talk about my favorite topic and try not to go on for too, too, too long, but we're going to be discussing plants and what we have planned uh, for the garden and for growing this next season. Uh, 2024 holds amazing potential in so many different ways um, and growing is one of my favorite things to do. So let's get started. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life and our I Bought a Homestead Now What podcast. I'm Lacey. And I'm Drew homestead health and business strategist. And between us, we have nearly 40 years experience in homesteading, parenting, and holistic living. We love helping people live more sufficient, deeply rooted, and satisfyingly connected lives. Two to three times per month, we post a new podcast on Wednesdays that will inspire, ease, and answer questions about this lifestyle you may not even know to ask. People and homestead strategy clients ask us all the time how, why, and what to do to make their homestead less chaotic more efficient, and mostly more peaceful. The lessons we've learned, the training we've had, and our strategic approach will help you skip steps and find more ease in your homesteading journey. Did you hear something you like? Did you learn something new? Please share with a friend or on social. Tag us at The Schoolhouse Life, and we will be thrilled to share and connect. Your shares, encouragement, and even questions are what keep us going. Thank you. All right, so uh, it's almost time to start planting seeds. In fact, I've already planted a number of seeds, mostly outside. There are a lot of seeds that do good if you put you put them outside in the fall and then they germinate when they're good and ready. Um, and that can actually be, it's one of my most favorite things because it feels like using gravity to grow. You're like using what nature does and letting it do the heavy lifting for you instead of timing everything perfectly and then hardening it off and, you know, all of the things that are required when you start seeds inside, which can, um, you know, if you do it wrong for one seed in a seed tray, you've done it wrong for every seed in a seed tray. That <laughs> can be true. pretty devastating. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, putting seeds outside. And and then also, not only if they don't work, you feel a little less attached to the outcome. So um, I would recommend doing some of all of the, the things. So you can have some successes in places that, you know, you put less effort in and that can feel really good. And you kind of forget where you put them. And then they pop up and yeah, you're like, oh, look. Yeah, oh. That's how I feel about bulbs, you know. Uh, in fact, we're going today to find some some clearance bulbs um, to get out there. Um, you know, it really all comes kind of down to where you're located, um, how you can manipulate the growing season and um, take full advantage. You know, if you're in the uh, zone seven or eight, you have a lot of opportunities to like for this extended fall season where there are cooler days, the ground isn't frozen and you can still get bulbs into the ground. Um, so as long as you can get them in the ground, they'll come up in the spring. I don't know what the rules are. Here's my rule. Put them in the <laughs> ground and see what happens. If you don't plant it, it won't grow. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like there is an element of if you plant it and it doesn't come up, though, then you're also like, like, what did I do wrong? Here's what I do know. When like I buy bulbs at 50% per, off and 50% of them don't work, that's way better than if I paid full price and 50% of them That's don't true, work. yeah. So these are my, this is Lacey's uh, philosophy on gardening. Um you know, throw it at the wall, see what happens. Some people are much Except more... Except for interested. perennials. I feel like we, I kind of regret all the yeah, on-sale no, perennials we put on. It's not just the on-sale. It's like, you know, I think when we first started, we thought, well, it either makes it or it doesn't. I think now we've learned hard lessons about, okay... I'm going to baby it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it its best start. And if I'm going to invest that kind of money in something, then I'm going to I'm gonna do what it takes to make it thrive. So the, the there are plants on the perennial list this year, which I'll list off. A lot of it for you. <laughs> um, it's a long list, though. So you, like, you're going you to have to pick. You're going to have to pick like not. your top ten. I can't. No, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you better get started. 
All right. Just start <laughs> listing plant names. So, you know, it becomes this time of year when, like, you're trapped inside because it's cold. Although, for us, the last week has been really beautiful. On and off, you know, a little It's rain. cold today. It's chilly, but the sun's out right now. Yeah. now I'm like, forget podcasting. Let's go outside. <laughs> um, anyway, but we've done a lot outside. It's been really nice. But it does kind of, you know, that bug starts to itch pretty heavy right now of, like, planning it all out and getting those seed trays ready and figuring out how you're going to move forward. But, um so I went through a lot of my books that, um, you know, my resource books, my faves. Um, I have a few this year that I've looked at more than others. I always go back to Guy's Garden just to make sure I've grown everything that we can potentially grow from the book <laughs> the, with the book lists there. Um, I feel like we're maybe halfway through. Yeah. A lot of my gardening books are British, I've noticed. And I think it's because I love Chelsea Green and it's a British publishing company. Um, and Monty Don. And Monty Don. I mean, I just, I I don't know what it is about British gardens, but I do, I've recently decided that I, I don't love international travel. Like, I don't love travel just generally. I'd rather be home with my garden. But if I'm going to travel, I want to do it to gardens, which Drew's been really good about making plans for traveling and gardening at the same time. I feel like the last, the garden that we went to in Miami, I was like, oh, no, like, it just spurred this idea of like, let's travel. Yeah, I just want to travel to like, amazing gardens yeah, wherever they are me too um but top of my list is um english gardens i want to go to england and, and go to all the gardens anyway i digress that's not why we're here today we're talking about <laughs> um my plant wants for 2024 um and i sort of have it organized so i'm going to read through some of what i have and if it makes sense it makes sense if it doesn't it doesn't but Keep in mind, gravity gardening is sort of my style. I really want things to all be working together. Just it's like that permaculture idea. Gravity um, gardening? Yeah, I think I'm coining a phrase here, but where you're using just, you know, like not just, you know, where you want to plant, but where that plant potentially is going to thrive. Where it gravitates to? Yeah, where my intuition tells me that it's going to uh, like it. Okay. Kind of like what Akiva was saying in his. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, interview yeah. Um, I mean, it's taking permaculture principles into account, but I think like when we first started on our property, we're like, this is going to be the orchard, you know, and we're going to plant all these guilds up here. Well, we planted a lot of trees up there and they didn't love it up there. They're doing okay now, but it's not, you know, thriving in the way that I had thought 12 years down the road. Yes. Things are getting better, but I think if, uh, you know, and then I look at where we planted the mulberries and they are, they could be 30 year old trees. Right. They're yeah. giant. They love it. They make us a lot of mulberries. So I'm just trying to think a little bit more like, okay, not where do I want this plant, but where mm-hmm. will this plant best be served in my garden hmm. and serve multiple purposes. So I picture you standing there with like a tree in your hand, whispering into it, yeah. like Gandalf and then like circling. I and- will not deny or confirm <laughs> if that has ever happened. But I will say that like just thinking about like edges more, which is, you know, a huge permaculture thing. It's helping me better grasp the limits of our garden. So sometimes I envy people who have small acreage gardens like ourselves. 10, 15 years ago, I'll see pictures of our garden. <laughs> you envy yourself. And think, some pictures came up of our garden produce the other day and Abraham saw me. He's like, where was that? Whose garden was that? I was like, ours. He's like, man, we, <laughs> we had a lot of produce. What happened to all that produce? <laughs> He's like, you grew so many tomatoes. We should go back to that garden. Oh, my god! I know. It was really like a... Like, quiet, boys. Oh, <laughs> you're right. We left this really amazing thing behind. 
um, in pursuit of something larger and grander. And I think, you know, you can get lost in it. We've talked about that before. Like the more acreage you have, the more you have to manage, the more livestock you have, the more you have to manage. And um, the more attention you need in other places, the less attention you can put in that one place, you know? So anyways, all of that to say, I think defining the edges of our garden, we figured out the deer problem last year. If you haven't heard us talk about that, the deer fence that we put around had a massive, massive impact on everything we've planted from the start to now. Um, and we had, we, I wish we could turn back the clock and have done that first when we moved out here, Right. Um, put that deer fence in and blocked off the areas that we were going to start perennials and uh, annuals. But we can't. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> Moving forward only. Um, <laughs> I, it's not really a regret. Just so, like, I really wish I could see Hindsight, what the difference was. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's why people pay us the big bucks to do <laughs> consults with them. <laughs> so we can tell them. Don't make all the mistakes we make. If you want to make progress faster, then here are the steps to do that. Anyway, um, deer fence was huge and that helped create one edge. So now within, within that deer fence, I'm working on creating even more edges that make the garden easier to maintain, make it easier to grow annuals in a way that's not, you know, super weed heavy. I'm not dealing with Bermuda grasses. The soil is heavy and thick and good and, and nutritious. And I mean, we have a lot more inputs now too. You know, we make our own biochar. We have um, cow manure, which is so much easier to use and apply. That's a new development, but a really fun that one. Is. And that's a result of uh, milking. That, you know, did not really see that coming as a byproduct of milking. Didn't, but it's, I'm grateful for it because I've always wanted to have some gathered, but, um, I've got another load ready for you. Excellent. It just keeps coming. (laughs) That's gravity garden, right? Like it just keeps coming. Um, anyway, but so like we garden on a hill and it goes down to the pond. And so I want to create an edge down at the bottom of the pond. So one of my focuses this week is, or this year is to create a, a hedge, a living hedge an edible hedge. I saw somebody the other day in one of my books call it a fedge, like a, a food hedge. A food hedge, yeah. Um, and I love that thought. And so my list has grown kind of with that in mind. And then we also have a wetland area in our pond that has filled in with more and more silt over the years. Um, and we really like to get our pond to a cleaner state. It's just very murky. Um, and not something like, you know, you'll see ponds where people like want to swim in them. This is not that pond. <laughs> no. Um, and I would love for it to be that pond, but it's, you know, I don't know if it's too I'm late. I'm not sure I could ever swim in that pond. Yeah. But anyway, we still want, there's a lot of wetland plants that I want to grow and put in that, that corner of the pond. Um, and so with those things in mind, um, I sort of made different lists. I made a wetland list. I made a hedge list. I made a, a shade list. Um, and then, of course, I have my annuals veggies list. Um, and, it, you know, depending on the plant, it depends on how much we have financially to invest because some things are definitely better to get like a five, five gallon, five year old tree versus a bunch of bare rootstock. Um, and, you know, you have to decide what commitment you have to any given plant and how much time and money investment you want to put into it. And, um, you know, for me, for the hedge, for example, I don't want just one um what were we looking at? Um, service berry, which I already have some growing and they're not doing well, so I might move them. Um, but I did get just sticks from the Arbor Day Foundation a long time ago. I got like 10 of them and potted them up and they were doing well. And then I stuck them in the ground and we they're not in a great place. So they're not doing great. So I'm going to move those, but I wouldn't want just one service berry. I'd really probably want like 10 or 12 of them across this this hedge and then fill in with other plants. Um, so if I'm looking at a really nice plant, that's like going to be $30 that I really want to be in the hedge, 
I'll buy one and then plan next year to divide that or to um, graft or not graft. Um, propagate. Propagate that so that I can have more plants um, in a couple of years. Um, and that's something that you just need to consider when you're budgeting out because you can't, unfortunately, I mean, maybe you can, but I can't. I think the I other way to get it all at once. The other way you could do it would be to just like say this year, I'm just going to spend my budget on service berry bushes mm-hmm. and, you know, buy like 10 or whatever your budget is really nice ones knowing like that's all you're planting this year, but they're big ones that. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, but make sure you know what you're planting and where you're planting it. If you're going to do that, because we have done that. We planted when we first moved here. So uh, the back of our, well, really the front of our property backs up to somebody else's property and they have four sheds, yeah. giant sheds lined up against that property line. And they're ugly. <laughs> and, you know, they're just big metal buildings. And so when we first moved here, I bought, I don't know, like five to ten thujas, thinking, okay, I'm going to plant these and we're going to, like, block that puppy, those out. And I, none of those thujas lived. Yeah. I think there's actually one living. There's one, and it's in a weird place. And, like, it's just, you know, it, it looks silly because it's not in a row. And, you know, it just is not what I wanted. And we put all this money into it. And by the time they're all dead, it's too late for you to get the refund because... You know, they're like, guaranteed these will live. And, For a year. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Anyway, so just be aware that, you know, sometimes that that plan doesn't yeah. work. And if it, you know, if you're going to do that and you're going to invest in it, and this is something we didn't do at the beginning, make sure you have water systems set up. Make you, make sure, you know, you're just doing everything possible for those things to succeed. Um, which usually means more planning before the plants arrive than, than ordering and then more, figuring it out. more planning and then building but, infrastructure. Right. And like the plants are like really the last step of like a 20 step process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in the places that we have done that and planned better, we have seen more success. Oh, yeah. So, um, all right. So plant wants, um, I'll just start with some of the trees. We know we want to get some more chestnuts, um, that we have tried a lot of chestnuts, but I think we just need to give that another go and really put them in a place where we can uh, nurture and um, and train and make sure that it's doing what we want it to do, which is survive. So, well, and I think what we learned talking to with Akiva is there's a lot of different strands and varieties of hybrids, those, yeah, and hybrids, and you know you gotta you gotta get them from a good place. Which I mean, I didn't think we were getting them from a bad place, but. Yeah. I think that place has gone under. Yeah. So it probably yeah. wasn't great. Um, I And then I just picked out some things like an Alberta peach, a kefir pear, um, an early Richmond cherry. These were things that I just was reading the qualities and they sound like things that we really want. I also know I want a smoke tree. Um, and then service berries, downy service berries, Washington hawthorns, um, dogwoods with big fruit. So we keep seeing these dogwoods. Um, we saw them oh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. We saw them. Where else do we see them? We've Was seen them Costa several Rica? places now that they've. They're... Yeah, and it's a dogwood, and dogwoods do very well in our region. Um, and they and and dogwood berries you can eat, but they're not. You know, these ones were like wants them golf ball size. Yeah, they were. Yeah, quite large. So anyway, mm. that's on the list. Um, and a lot of these I think are. Um, this was me just dumping it, but I do know that a lot of these things are on the Arbor Day Foundation. Um, Magnabonum um, sh- apple tree, which is just my favorite apple. Um, and I know that there's, we have a place called Century Orchards in our region that grows apples that grow well in this area, which is hard. To, you really got to make sure, especially with fruit trees, they can be very finicky. And if you live in a region that's too hot or too cold, and it can just be a few degrees different, uh, it just won't thrive. So for example, at our 
vacation rental, I planted some rhubarb for my grandma's house, which is in Northwest Pennsylvania. She's had the rhubarb patch forever. And so I've tried several times to bring it down and put it in our, at our home in, um, near Greensboro and in central North Carolina. And it just never works. And I've even started rhubarb from seed and all kinds of things. And I know somebody just a few, you know, maybe an hour away that grows it successfully. And I think in the same zone, um, but it's thriving at that vacation rental in the mountains. And it's not, <laughs> it died again here, even from the same time I planted it. So, um, so yeah, that's just something I keep. I know. Doing. Cause I, when you're listening out like the um, apples, I'm like, well, now that we got upgraded to zone eight, I'm really wondering how well apples can really grow here at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where we're just going to keep trying because you see apple. We had an apple tree that was very successful at our old house. Yeah, I wonder how it's doing. We should drive by there. Yeah, it was probably a 30-year-old apple tree then. I don't know how much longer it would have had, but we'll see. Um, And then there were some things that I found that are just question marks that I want to look up. Um, Oh, I think Kusa was the dogwood variety. Anyway, um, I really want highbush cranberries, and I really want lindens. and so those are some things on the tree list. And then flowers and plants. Uh, I want gooseneck loosestrife, purple loosestrife. Um, specifically, that will do really well in a wetland. The gooseneck probably will, too. Um, Gallardia. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right because that just that's like, a, like a disease. Yeah, it's like an Giardia. In, yeah, it's like not, a water like, intestinal disease. Um, marguerite cornflower snapdragons um for the wetland moving down that row i uh papyrus i really want to grow papyrus are we gonna i'm very excited about that but only if we can make paper from it of course um that would yeah paper and clothes right Don't, you hey that's like next level you know we've been saying like really the last thing left is toilet paper there you go <laughs> yep <laughs> um water poppies pickerel weed water snowflakes um Japanese irises, lotuses, heleniums, and marsh marigolds. So those are, are you thinking lotus, American grow. lotus? Because I was seeing that, like... Well, uh, we tried that lotus, the one... Mellow Marsh had the American lotus. Yeah. So, I, so again, that's a native plant nursery yeah. that we shop at a lot. And, um, I mean, that's where we're going to get a lot of these plants. Because we know... And they're, they're Mellow Marsh. So they kind of... I feel like they also kind of specialize in, like, wetland plants. Yeah. Like, Although we've gotten a lot of other things from them, too. Yeah. And maybe that's how it started. Um, anyway, and then shade-loving plants. I want to grow wintergreen slash tea berry. Ferns. And, and for ferns, we have a lot of ferns back where we just lashed everything down in the back of the property. I bet you we don't have ferns anymore. We do. I've seen some. So I'm going to go dig some up and try to bring them up and just see if I can make that work. Uh, Virginia bluebells, um, which is also cowslip, which is a, an herb that I've tested that I need. So um, they're Plus, they're adorable. Lady slippers. Um, and I just have a few other herbal things that I want to get started in there, like um, ginseng. And um, I always forget the name of the other one. But I just need to get them in- established, I think, uh, in these shadier areas. And that takes that takes investment because those plants are not cheap. But yeah. Um, okay. Now on to just regular old like flowers that I just want or herbs. They kind of all fall in the same category. Tithonia, which is Mexican sunflower, Nicotiana, Gazania, Honesty, Forget Me Now, It's Balsam, Coral Bells, Angelica, which I just realized I already have seed for. Blue pea flowers. Um, hold on, I have Which one. is a important lesson when making your plant list. Also, you should have like a, some sort of 
inventory list of the seeds and plants you already yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. So I made this list and then I'll go back and double check with what I already have. Right. The Angelica get... only got lost because they're in the fridge because you're supposed to keep them in the fridge. Right. So um, and the other day I was like, I know I have seeds in here. What were those in there, Angelica? So that was good because check, check. Um, flowers, lion's ear, which is a perennial. Um, I really want to get that started. Sweet William, which is a perennial I have grown before, but for some reason it didn't perennialize. I don't know if I got bad seed or what. It grew beautifully, but um, and that's something that I think I can put out now or could have in the fall even because it starts really early and has a really quick go of it. Um, I wanted to try a new kind of cotton called spinner's cotton, which is apparently really easy to take harvest and then immediately spin. Oh, that's cool. Which, that sounded really exciting to me. Actually, yeah. Add to the list tobacco. I wanted to try tobacco. Okay. Uh, I'll get a pen in a second. <laughs> um, ornamental wheat. So one of my goals is to have a lot of cut flowers for personal use and also for um, dried arrangements because some flowers are just better dried. And I did dry quite a few and we have a lot of dried flowers around the house and I really enjoyed that and I really enjoyed playing with it. So I want to do more of that. Oh, and then here's my hedge list. So I'll just list off what's on that list. So we already have the service berry, pineapple guava, um, something I can't read. What does that say? Currants. Cranberry. No. Oh, canna. Okay, so canna, but it's a specific kind, edulis canna, because apparently that would do well there. And it's it's got an edible, um, you can use the root of that canna um, and eat it. Petite negra figs, rosemary, gooseberries, which I don't think we're legally allowed to have in North Carolina. Um, seaberry, mullein, and tree kale. Tree kale, I'm really excited about. Tree scale, I'm very skeptical of. Have you heard of it before? No. <laughs> but I don't like the idea. Why are you actually skeptical about a tree kale? Because kale in tree form, I picture like a tree with leaves that someone said, oh, you can eat these, but it's going to taste no, like grass. It's just kale. So that's the funny thing is like looking at the pictures, I'm like, oh, we've grown this before. And like, so kale, you know, can be kind of perennial if it doesn't get super super yeah. like it'll just last now that we're in zone eight you just pull I feel the leaves like. <laughs> off and eat them so this tree kale from what i can tell looks almost exactly like some of the kale that we've had in pots that we've just kept for years because it just kept growing and you know you pull the leaves off and then it, it has more leaves i think it it uh sparks the thought of tree hay which is uh, yeah you know like this <laughs> i never got on board with the tree hay but yeah you know some people love the idea of Climbing trees to harvest food for their animals. Um, But anyway, so that's my list so far. Oh, mullen. Did I say mullen? Which I have a lot of that growing. You're going to plant mullen? Yeah, I'm going to put mullen in the hedge. Okay. That's the plan. Which I have a flat of it already. So hopefully it survives the winter and then I'll have a head start. Yeah. But the hedge is going to grow and like, uh, you know, we're going to plan for water. We're going to, it's going to, it's going to be amazing. I'm excited. And I, I didn't even list, I didn't even begin to list off the annual slash, slash veggie list because I feel like that's such a personal thing. Like, you know, I can list off tomatoes, kale, beans. Um, I will say about beans. So beans traditionally always get um, provider beans. Yeah. Um, which we have, we have a bag of that, like a, a one small thing. We normally need a larger bag to do like a 50 foot row. But I think this year I want to try contender beans. Mm. Okay. Anyway. As long as they're not stringy. 
I am getting a little bit more diligent this year. Like I think normally I go through the seed catalog and I just like circle everything. But this year I'm like, okay, no, I want a tomato to for drying. I want a tomato for making sauce. I want a tomato or two for eating right off the vine. Yeah. So I've picked varieties that are good for those different things. Um, as long as we have Cherokee purples. Same with squash. And I like a lot of it is about doing a little bit of research about which squashes are better for saving and keeping um, versus what are just like, you know, what they might just have at Lowe's or wherever the seeds right. are. Yeah, right? yeah. Or the plants for that matter. I think that's the thing about buying seeds that it just opens you up to this ability to make decisions about your food. Um, like when you order from some of these heirloom places, they tell the story about this plant and, you know, why? Because our ancestors didn't just grow beans to grow beans. They grew beans for storage. And um, usually those were dried beans, right? Like now we can them a lot. And that's why we like provider beans. They can really nicely and they freeze really nicely. And they're amazing right off the vine. And they make a ton and they're bush. So you don't have to have a trellis. And contenders have a lot of the same qualities. But I just thought it would be fun to try something a little bit different. Um, anyway, but so when our ancestors were planting all these different varieties of beans, it wasn't just to see if they could grow it or because they were pretty, it was because they had a very functional application. Yeah. Um, and so starting to think about my garden in a little bit more that way of like, okay, you know, yes, just because I grew the squash and it's cute doesn't mean it's going to stay or store well. And, you know, if you read Laura Ingalls, they had an attic full of pumpkins all all winter long and we've grown a lot of pumpkins that don't last for more than a month so um you know it's just about having a little bit more foresight on on that plan and mapping it out but anyway that's it that's that's the at least the beginnings of our plant list um more now we have to narrow down where we can get these access all of these plants but um and then that's where the next few months budgeting to buy (laughs) exactly uh I'm curious what your plant list is. So if you. How does it compare? Yeah. How does it compare? What are you thinking about? Did Lacey hit on any that you forgot that you need? I think in some years we've been really more focused on perennials. And then some years we're more focused on annuals. And I think this year I'm really like, it's a very 50-50. And I would encourage you to kind of think like, how do you want to spend your time? Because if you don't have a lot of perennials, we already do have a lot of perennials. So, you know, we already have done that. We've laid that groundwork. So one apple tree, one fig tree, and one, um. One, what was the other one? Yeah, plum, pear, yeah. peach. Those, you know, cherry. planting five or six is, you know, in other years we've planted like Pop-pop. 20, you know, blueberries and all of right. the different things. Yeah. So, um, and the, some of that, like the blueberries, like I, I do want to just put like a whole ton of cuttings in the air pruning bed and see what we can get going that way. And same, I mean, we did that with grapes and mm-hmm. and a lot of that. So once you get some going that are doing good, you can... um put them in air pruning beds and really get like a lot going at once. And I'm excited about that this year. Mm-hmm. I feel like my priority in my head is trying to keep the uh, acreage in the back from turning back into forest this year. Yeah. So I'll be helping Lacey with her project, but <laughs> focused on uh, avoiding a disaster back there. Yeah. Which reminds me if you have a chainsaw on a free day, give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that it for your list? That's it. Thanks for listening and let us know what you think. Share this episode with somebody else that you think needs a good plant list.